All right. Uh, so we're down to, um, or we're up to, I should say, we're up to 8 AD. I think that's where we left off last week. Um, So in Luke chapter 2, verse 41 through 52, let's, let's just go there and let's read that. Luke 2, 41. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God. So Jesus, here he is a boy. And it says in verse 42, he was about 12 years old. And so the scripture gives us a specific age for Jesus when this happens. Luke records that Jesus was, was uh, 12 years old. So 8 AD, Jesus being born around 4 BC, um, circa 4 BC. When you see that circa, that C dot in a date, that means around. Because uh, there's some who believe he was born between 4 and 6 B.C. But we're going to call it 4 B.C. And here at 8 A.D., this would make Jesus 12 years old, as the scripture uh, records here. Now, I wanted to read this um, because the next time Jesus the next time he is mentioned specifically in terms of age, Jesus is 30 years old. And so what I've done here um, on, this, on your handout, uh, I wanted to talk about what is sometimes called the lost years or missing years of Jesus. 
So um, Luke gives us a pretty good record here of what happened to Jesus after he was taken back to Nazareth uh, with his parents. It says that he was subject to them, was obedient to them, and, um, and lived there with them. These lost years or missing years of Jesus, um, there's lots of information out there that I would not advise you to read about the lost and missing years of Jesus. Uh, I don't know. Um, you know, I did not grow up in, the, in church, and so I was, um, I, I was somewhat fascinated with the occult, and I was somewhat fascinated with uh, all of these uh, types of stories. And so, um, you know, it was very easy for me to believe, made perfect sense that Jesus, you know, Jesus, the Christ, Jesus, this man who had the Christ consciousness, uh, went, traveled to the east and sat at the feet of ascended masters and learned all he needed to learn so that he could enter into that Christ consciousness at his baptism and then um, carry on, you know, the, the thing that all the great men before him had, like Buddha and, and different ones. And so there's um, lots of stuff out there about this. But the scripture is pretty clear. And if you know a little bit about um, Jewish culture and you know a little bit about the days that uh, when Jesus would have been growing up, it's not hard to figure out where Jesus was. In fact, uh, the scripture pretty much tells us where he was. So from the age of 12, as we see here in Luke chapter 2, until the beginning of his public ministry at age 30, um, we see those 18 years are not directly spoken of, but they are indirectly referred to or spoken of. And so what we see is, um, let's go to Mark chapter 6. I think I've got it here. Well, maybe I don't. Mark chapter 6, verse 1. In Mark chapter 6, verse 1, Jesus is coming to his own region, his own country. Mark 6, verse 1. Then he went out from there and came to his own country. Remember, he grew up in Nazareth. That's where Joseph and Mary uh, went after they came out of Egypt. Uh, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many of and many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter? So scripture also tells us what trade Jesus entered into as a young man. He was trained up to be a carpenter. That's how the people of Nazareth knew him. They knew him as the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at them. So Jesus, the firstborn of Mary, 
by this time in his life, age 30, Jesus has a number of brothers and sisters. Now, I know the Catholic Church does not believe that Mary had any other children other than Jesus, and she never had um, relationships with a man, not Joseph, though, that all of these children were Joseph's children from a previous marriage. Um, there is nothing in the scripture to support this. In fact, everything in the scripture, I think, leads us to believe that is not true and that these are indeed the brothers and sisters of Jesus via Joseph and Mary. Now, it is true that these are Jesus' half-brothers and half-sisters because these brothers and sisters of Jesus had a different father. From the world's point of view, Joseph was the father of Jesus. But when we read the, the genealogy in Luke, it says Joseph as, as supposed to be his father. It was supposed that Joseph was his father, but, but Joseph was not. And so here it says that the people of Nazareth recognized Jesus as the carpenter, the son of Mary. So obviously Joseph is no longer living at this point. And the brother of these men and are not his sisters here with us also. So the people of Nazareth were familiar with the family of Jesus. And they knew Jesus as the carpenter. What they did not know him as was a rabbi, a teacher. Now, uh, in Jewish culture, it would be the dream of every, well, there would be two dreams uh, that every Jewish parents would have. One would be that their son would be the Messiah. That would be the, the, the greatest dream, that their son actually would be the Messiah. Uh, after that, it would be that their son would become a great rabbi. And the way it worked in Jewish culture is um, as children were educated, uh, they were uh, identified as potential candidates. Now, what's interesting is Jesus was known as a carpenter, which means that Jesus... And it obviously was not because Jesus was not qualified to enter into rabbinic school, because at age 12, he's amazing the teachers in the temple. And the reason Jesus didn't enter into rabbinic school is because God had a different plan for him. Uh, he didn't need to go to rabbinic school and learn from an earthly rabbi because his father was teaching him. Now, this really confused people when Jesus entered into his ministry. So every time we read in the Bible where they say, by, by whose authority or by what authority do you do this? They're really asking Jesus, who is your rabbi? What seminary did you go to? By what authority? What gives you the right to do this, to say this? Where did you learn that is what they're asking him. And so Jesus would say, well, my father. Well, who's your father? Um, where did you come from? You know, they would ask him and Jesus 
Um, remember, he says, well, if you'll tell me whether you believe John, uh, John's ministry and John's teaching was from God, I'll tell you where I came from. And they wouldn't answer him because they knew they, that Jesus laid a trap for them because they couldn't answer that without making the people extremely angry because they didn't believe John's ministry came from heaven. They believed it was just John's because John called them out on their sin. And so they couldn't say John came from heaven. Otherwise, they would all have to go repent and get baptized by John. And so Jesus was known as a carpenter, but now he's teaching in the synagogue. And what does it say? It says, where did this man get these things? They were amazed by his teaching. So this is at the beginning. This is toward the beginning of Jesus Earthly ministry, it's, it's not at the very beginning, but Jesus has gone back to Nazareth now, to his hometown, and they're hearing him for the first time in the synagogue, and they've only known him as the carpenter. And so Jesus was not somewhere in India or China or in the East learning Eastern religions and then coming back to Judea and getting baptized by John to receive the Christ consciousness. Now, Jesus spent those 18 years with his parents, growing up, entering into the trade of a carpenter like his father Joseph was, being prepared by his father in heaven to enter into his earthly ministry at the appropriate age. And that appropriate age in Jewish culture was 30 years old. So the reason Jesus wasn't teaching in the synagogues when he was 12 is because no one would give him the time of day, no matter how amazing his teachings might have been, because at 12 years old, you had not had enough life experience to have anything worth saying was the Jewish point of view. Yes, John. Right. Which is, which is back to them. But Hebrews 5 8 supports the 18 years because it says that although being a son, yes. he learned obedience mm -hmm. from his suffering. Yeah. Amen. All right. <coughs> Any thoughts? Any thoughts or questions there? Has anyone ever read, you know, the Ranch book or any of these? Yeah. So in the New Age, uh, so for instance, uh, the Urantia book. Uh, so according to Eastern um, New Age uh, false religions, uh, Jesus Christ was one of many Christs. So he wasn't the first Christ, and he, he won't be the last Christ. And so um, at his baptism, the Christ consciousness came upon him, and he became the Christ at his baptism. Um, so they would say that Buddha had the Christ consciousness. Uh, so uh, it's a title. It's an anointing. 
Um, it's not, their concept of the Christ is not biblical because uh, the Christ consciousness is something um, that didn't just belong to Jesus. He was not unique in that. Um, and so it's a very new agey, spiritual, false, idolatrous type of belief system in, in language. And you find it in a number of new age publications and, um, you know, even um, a, a lot of the occult literature uh, from like Edward Casey. Um, I can't remember the lady's name. Um, uh, you wouldn't have asked me, I would have been able to tell you, but um, there's a number of them. Um, and, and so um, there are a lot of people today, you'd be surprised how many people, that, so they don't deny that Jesus was a great teacher. They wouldn't even deny necessarily that Jesus was the Son of God, but Jesus is not unique. Jesus um, um, is not this unique savior. He's just one of many, and there will be many more. And you too can uh, possess the Christ consciousness if you ascend to this place of, you know, enlightenment. It's enlightenment is what it is. Mm -hmm. The rabbis, they yeah. earned their degree. They sought the praise mm -hmm. of man. Yeah. Um, and, and Christ's uniqueness, because he is the son of God. It was something that, he, that was born in him mm -hmm. of God that no one else has ever experienced, nor can mm -hmm. And he did. That's why he's called the Rock of Offense. All right, so um, we just can read a few scriptures, just the couple, three that we've read here tonight. Uh, indicates that Jesus wasn't lost, he wasn't missing, he was present, and he was familiar to the people of his own town, biding his time to enter into his public ministry. Um, A.D. 14, 14 A.D., Caesar Augustus dies. Uh, so Octavian, who became Caesar Augustus, dies in 14 A.D. after ruling Rome from 27 B.C. Uh, to 14 A.D. Um, Caesar Augustus ruled Rome through the, and during the birth of Jesus and through those teenage years of Jesus. Upon his death, Tiberius becomes the emperor of Rome. So Tiberius... Caesar, and we see both of these in Scripture. Tiberius Caesar uh, ruled during the adult life of Jesus, through his death, his resurrection, and into the beginnings of the New Testament church. Tiberius ruled from 14 A.D. to 37 A.D. Then in 15 A.D., we see 
this is just, I thought this was kind of interesting. Usher put it in his chronology. Remember the woman who had the issue of blood for 18 years, the spirit of infirmity? Well, it was in AD 15 that she would have entered into her 18 years of bondage. Uh, at this time, Jesus would have been um, still in his teen years, more than likely, late teen years. Um, and this is the woman Jesus healed on the Sabbath, angering the leaders of the synagogue and the other legalists because he had healed this woman. So we see the ending part of her story in Scripture. But we know that she suffered for 18 years. So we can take these dates and go backwards. And, uh, and, and we know when she first became sick. Now think about it. She's in bondage to this spirit of infirmity for 18 years. And it was God's plan for her to be in bondage to that for 18 years so that Jesus in his ministry would heal her and his glory would be revealed. And she would not come to faith as a result of that healing. But remember, she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know I can be healed. She already had faith. And that's what Jesus said. Woman, your faith has made you whole. Uh, and, and so instead of Jesus becoming unclean upon this unclean woman touching her, Jesus made her clean. The holiness of Christ made her clean. It delivered her from her uncleanness and from this spirit of infirmity. And think, I, I, I just, when I saw that little entry in, in his uh, book, I just thought that was kind of interesting. And it made me think, you know, when that woman, think about her getting sick and thinking, this is going to end, this is going to end. And it doesn't end, and it doesn't end, and it doesn't end. And she spends all of her money on physicians, and she's still sick. And she's so desperate that she's willing to break the law and become outcast and, and be probably um, treated with extreme cruelty just to get to Jesus to touch the hem of his garment. There was no way she could imagine those 18 years of suffering, there was no way she could imagine when this happens to her um, what, where God was taking her through those 18 years. But what a glorious story and what a glorious ending to this chapter of her story where she's delivered from this infirmity. 17 AD, in this year, 12 famous cities of Asia were destroyed by an earthquake in one night. I've listed all 12 of the cities there for you. Some of them you may have heard of, some of them maybe not, but there are three of them that are listed in Scripture. Um, well, Caesarea is also listed in Scripture, but uh, Ephesus, Sardis, and Philadelphia are three of the cities listed in the book of Revelation. There were churches in these cities 
when uh, John receives the revelation and Jesus dictates to John the letters that are to be delivered to these churches. Um, It was said that Sardis was damaged most seriously. And it was also recorded that large mountains were laid flat and plains were raised up into hills due to the magnitude of the earthquake. Now, we might not think, you know, we might think, wow, that's that's pretty serious. But think about the earthquake that just took place in Turkey that opened up a fissure. How how long was that thing? It's like 165 miles long. And well, this is the same region. Um, And so this region has been suffering with um, earthquakes and things of that such for many, many, many centuries. Tiberius Caesar sent large amounts of financial aid to rebuild and to assist these communities. He also released them from tribute and taxes for five years while they rebuilt. Uh, So this is the equivalent of our disaster relief that the federal government would give to someone in a hurricane, a fire, or an earthquake. Rome did the same thing. They just didn't do it as freely, and they didn't do it for everything um, like our government does. And because of his great generosity, statutes of Tiberius were dedicated across the the empire and in all of these cities. Um, So they would build uh, statues, statues, temples. Uh, We're going to see where... In 25 AD, there was a, um, a temple built in Smyrna. Now, Smyrna is another community listed for us in the scripture, in the book of Revelation. And I believe it's Smyrna. Am I correct? Uh, let's look there, Revelation chapter 3. Is Smyrna the one that had no negative things said against them? Is that right? No, not right. No. Not, was not Philadelphia. Uh, I think it might have been Smyrna. Smyrna, uh, to the angel at the church of, in Smyrna, right? These things says the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are of, a synagogue, are of the synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death and and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Yeah, it was Smyrna. Smyrna was the only one of the churches that had nothing negative said about them. All the rest of them, uh, Jesus would say what was good about them, then he would give them something they needed to repent of, except for Smyrna. Well, Smyrna was the city that was selected. They had a big contest across um, the empire there of what city. It's kind of like a presidential library. You know, what city's going to... Are we going to build the presidential library of the president once he leaves office? Well, when Tiberius left, when he died, when he was no longer emperor, the question was, what city would they build the temple to Tiberius? 
in recognition of his rule and his reign over the empire. And Smyrna was selected out of uh, a number of other cities to become the site of a new temple built in honor of Tiberius Caesar. Uh, I haven't done a lot of research on this, but I, I never knew before now that there was a temple built there to Tiberius Caesar. Uh, and it makes me wonder if any of the persecution that the church there in Smyrna experienced was related to Caesar worship and, um, you know, the, the requirement where they had to say that Caesar is Lord. So it was a temple. And so the ancient Roman religion, remember the emperors became the high priest of that ancient Roman religion. That's why they built temples. It wasn't a, uh, an imperial library. It was a temple. It was a place of worship. And so I don't know. Does anyone have any insight on that? I don't know if that temple to Tiberius contributed to the persecution of the church in Smyrna, but we know they were persecuted. Jesus said you would be, and some of you would die as a result of that persecution. And we know that happened in church history. Well, if it was a part of it, it was in 25 AD when they began building that temple. AD 26, the 30th Jubilee began in the 30th year of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when God gave the year of Jubilee, remember to the children of Israel, in the wilderness, when God gives the law and he says the 50th year will be a jubilee and all debts will be forgiven and all slaves will be released. Well, in 26 AD, this marked the 30th jubilee. And I don't think it's coincidental that it began in the 30th year of the Lord Jesus Christ at the beginning of his public ministry. Um, anybody have any thoughts on that? I mean, it seems like maybe it would be better at the end uh, as the debt's being forgiven and the slaves set free. So, that's, a, that's, a, that's an interesting thought. Anybody else? Of course, we were chosen in him before the foundations of the world, so there's... Um, that, that time thing kind of messes with us, doesn't it? Because there's one way God looks at time. There's another way we look at time. But yet God works in time. So this really was in time and in the calendar, the 30th Jubilee in the 30th year of the Lord Jesus. It also marked the beginning of his gospel being then proclaimed by John the Baptist. So... Um, as John was preparing the way of the Lord. So John had been proclaiming, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John had been saying, there's one coming after me. Remember, they went out to John and they said, are you the one? Who are you? And he says, no, there's one coming after me. Um, also in that year, 26 AD, Joseph, who was surnamed Caiaphas, the son-in-law of Annas became the high priest in that year. So the very same year that Jesus begins his public ministry is the very same year that Caiaphas becomes the high priest. Yes. You know, I was just thinking, you know, um, the Bible 
They would have repented, yeah. Yeah, he's showing us the very same things. Think about, we have his word, the completed canon of scripture. We have his spirit living in us, present in the world through, through his body. Yeah, it's, it's uh, we are without excuse, as Paul writes in Romans. So Caiaphas, in the same, this same year, uh, becomes high priest, not by accident, Pontius Pilate becomes governor of Judea in the very same year. So you see God assembling all the pieces that will be in place when Jesus is tried and crucified uh, uh, upon the cross and take upon himself uh, the wrath of God and the sins of the world. All the players are being put, are being put in place here. In uh, 27 AD, Jesus is baptized by John in the River Jordan. I gave you some scripture references there that records that. It says in Luke 3.23 that Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. And then immediately following his baptism by John in the Jordan, the sign coming upon Jesus God told John, when you see the dove descend upon that one, you'll know that he is the Christ, the Savior, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Uh, Jesus, immediately following his baptism, is driven into the desert by the Spirit. So he's driven by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted for 40 days by Satan. He comes back from that um, 40 days in enters into his ministry. In A.D. 29, this marked the beginning of John's fourth year since the start of his ministry. John preached a message of repentance for the coming kingdom. John did no miracles, yet many believe, the Bible says, John 10, 41 through 42. Then many came to him and said, John performed no sign but all the things that John spoke about this man were true, and many believed in him there. So, um, so we have, um, as Susan said, lots of types and shadows in the Bible. Um, so there are people who are types. So we know that Adam was a type of Christ, right? Just as Eve is a type of the church. 
And then we can look at different characters in the Bible. So when you think about Jesus and John the Baptist, when you think about John the Baptist and Jesus, what two characters in the Bible are parallel uh, to John the Baptist and Jesus? Can you think of any? Any two. There's two who are specifically parallel to John the Baptist and Jesus. Yes. Elijah and Elisha. Who is Elijah a type of or parallel to? Yes, John the Baptist. Elisha comes and Elisha, it's not that Eli, it's not that Elijah didn't, you know, he did the whole thing at, on the Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal. But the Bible records that Elisha performed many miracles. There's more miracles recorded in the scripture that Elisha did than Elijah. It doesn't really tell us about miracles Elijah did in the Bible. And this is a parallel between John the Baptist and Elijah and Jesus and Elisha. Elijah was the forerunner to Elisha who did many miracles just as John the Baptist was the forerunner to Jesus, John did no signs. Yet many people believed, just like they did with Elijah. And John came in the spirit of Elijah. In fact, Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew, if you can receive this, Elijah has already come. John the Baptist is Elijah. He came in the, the, the spirit of Elijah, fulfilling what was spoken by the prophet Malachi. Remember when we do the Passover Seder, uh, the Jews always leave a, a blank spot at the table, uh, supposedly for Elijah, uh, who's going to come before that great and terrible day of the Lord, before the coming of the Messiah. Well, guess what? He's already come. It's why John dressed the way he did. He dressed just like Elijah. He wore camel's hair. He had a leather belt. He ate locust and honey. He was a man like Elijah. Didn't um, Elisha receive Elijah's mantle? But he, he not only received his mantle, he received a double portion. Yes. Yeah. 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 Which enabled him then uh, by right. the Spirit to do the miracles. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, Luke, Luke 1, 16 and 17, talking about um, John the Baptist. He'll turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before them, before him, before the Lord, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That's, that's out of Malachi Acts 13, 23 through 25, when Paul is giving witness to the gospel, he says concerning John the Baptist, from this man's seed, according to the promise, God raised up for Israel a Savior, Jesus, after John had first preached before his coming, the baptism of repentance to all people of Israel. Before the coming of Christ, John preached the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. 
Um, so as John was finishing his course, he said, who do you think I am? I am not he, but behold, there comes one after me, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to loose. So we see the ministry of John preparing the way for Christ. And that ministry was coming to a close. Remember what John said, I must decrease so that he may increase. So at this point, as John is decreasing, Christ is increasing and he's entering into his own ministry. Uh, any questions? Any thoughts? That's all I have for you tonight. So we're at a point in the timeline. Um, so you might say, well, what's happening in the world? Um, yes. Okay. You mean the woman with the issue of blood? No, no. No. No, it's the one you referenced, but if she was doubled over. Okay. That, that's really what was going on. The, the woman with the blood is a different Oh, oh, the one in the synagogue. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Do what? I'm sorry. Yeah. Wait. No, the healing didn't occur. It's when she got sick. No, that's when she, that's when she first got sick. 18 years. She got sick when he was in his teens. No, 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 no. It happened 18 years later in his ministry. Yeah, no, 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 no. That's when she got sick. And then 18 years later, she was healed. No, she didn't get healed then. That's when she got sick. And she was sick for 18 years. No, she would have, he would have been, he was in 8 AD, he was 12. Eight, it was 18. Yeah, I confused when I was yeah, speaking about, yeah. But no, this is when she got sick, not when she got healed. So, so then if she got sick and 18 years later, yeah. and, and he didn't heal until he was in his ministry, then that's when the Well, it's not, it's not that he necessarily healed her when he was 30. He could have healed her. At 31 or 30. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, the, he was 12 or 13 or 14 when she got sick. Yeah, he was, it's safe to say he was in his teens when yeah. she got sick. Yeah, definitely early teens because at 33 he was crucified. Any other questions or thoughts? It's tricky. And, and uh, you can go to other sources and find the dates a little bit different. I'm using Usher. Um, and so other people have it dated a little bit different. No one knows for sure. Um, but what we can know for sure, Jesus was 12 when he was in the temple. What year that was, 
We, we're not sure what year that might have been, but we know he was 12. We know he was 30 years old when he began his ministry, when he was baptized by John, because the scripture says so. What year was that? Well, we're, we're going to say it's this year, but we don't know for sure what year it was. Yeah. Yeah. That's really amazing. And he probably knew before 12. And yet in his humanity, he had to learn obedience. He suffered every temptation. And he had to, he had to prove true in devotion to his father to qualify. Well, I think even there at 12 in the temple, think about it. Um, I, I don't think Jesus used his, um, his, his deity to... No. So when he was 12 years old and amazing those guys in the temple, that means that long before he was 12, he was studying the scripture and, and, and hiding the word in his heart. Yeah. And, and the obedience he really practiced was his obedience to the father. His obedience was all about his obedience to the father. And being obedient to the father, he knew when to uh, stoop down and... Uh, and be compassionate with the woman caught in adultery. But he also knew when to call the scribes and Pharisees snakes and vipers. Yes. Um, and both were appropriate. Yes. And so it was his obedience to the Father that enabled Jesus to, to love, whether it was through compassion or whether it was through the blunt force trauma of the truth. And he, he actually applied both. He applied compassion and he applied, applied blunt force trauma of the truth to people who needed blunt force trauma in their face. Truth. He did. And that was the love of the Father and that was obedience to the Father. He said, I don't say anything except what I hear my Father say and I don't do anything except what I see my Father do. So Jesus did nothing that was contrary to his Father, that went against his Father. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. That's right. He had to be attempted at all points like us to be the worthy sacrifice to represent Adam, the human Adam on the cross. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Any other thoughts about any of this? These are big conversations. So um, one thing. So when we as we continue through the timeline we're going to continue through the timeline um, under the assumption that Jesus' ministry was about three and a half years long. There are people who believe Jesus' ministry was only one year long. Um, and, uh, huh? Well, you should ask Ron Braley. He wrote a whole article on it. Um, <laughs> But, um, uh, and I don't know if anybody's ever um, 
you know, been introduced to that concept. But just to let you know, uh, we will uh, go upon the assumption, and I believe it is biblically correct, that his ministry was three and a half years long. Um, it's pretty fascinating. Uh, we're going to relate it back to Daniel, uh, the 70th week. So uh, just full disclosure here. I, I do not believe we're waiting for the 70th week of Daniel to be fulfilled. It's been long fulfilled. And it was fulfilled in Jesus' day. And through most of history, church history, people understood that to be the fact. It's, it's really a recent phenomenon with dispensationalism since about 1850 that we believe we've separated out this week that really is not to be separated out. It was fulfilled with Jesus. And we'll... We'll touch on some of that as we go. So uh, uh, we'll take a little bit more time looking at some of this uh, because I think it is important. Um, so the world is still going on. So there's still people living in South America and Central America. We don't know what they're doing. It's not really uh, a lot recorded right now. Uh, there's there's uh, dynasties ruling in China while... This is all happening in the Middle East. The Roman Empire is still doing what it's doing and conquering people and expanding and having its, you know, political intrigue going on. Uh, so there's lots of moving pieces throughout history. But the focus of history now, we are looking at the most important Thing that's happening in history when we look at the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, the birth of the church. There is nothing more important that's happening in history than what's happening right here. And as we talked about last week, God has prepared the world. So even tonight, we see where God's putting in place Caiaphas, Pilate, all the people that need to be put in place, Herod's put in place, all these people that need to be put in place in order for Jesus to be crucified, buried, and resurrected uh, to become the Lord of glory and conquer sin and death. God's put all the pieces together now, and he's, it's all set in motion. Now it's just all getting played out. And the world is prepared for the birth of the church and the gospel to go literally to the ends of the earth. It's why we're here tonight talking about this because obedient and faithful men and women took the gospel to the ends of the earth and it's been spread from generation to generation to generation because throughout church history, that was the understanding. We're gonna do this until Jesus returns. And, and our focus is not on him returning. Our focus is on our obedience until he returns. It's why they could build cathedrals that took 500 years to build. Because no one was saying, don't bother building that cathedral because the rapture is going to happen here pretty soon. They weren't saying that. They were saying, build that cathedral. Because in five generations, they'll be worshiping in it. And it may take five generations to build the cathedral. And it did for many of them. So, huh? That's why we have communion. Remember his death until he comes again. That's right. 